0: This is Gartner's CFO Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Gartner CFO Podcast. I'm Marco Horvath, and I'm joined today with my co-host, Nina Moreno, and our guest, Vaughn Archer, Senior Director, Analyst at Gartner, who will discuss labor force strategy in an environment of both talent scarcity and layoffs.
1: Welcome, Vaughn.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Nina Marco, great to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Ron, in the
0: operating environment we have right now with, you know, higher cost of capital, renewed investor focus on profitable growth, and widespread forecasts of a global recessions, CEOs are asking their CFOs to reduce costs, et cetera. What interesting layoff data have you been seeing and what conversations have you been having with CFOs?
1: Yeah, Marco, layoffs is an indicator that I monitor really closely. I find that it's a robust leading indicator for the growth and profitability environment that the C-suite are forecasting. And there's a couple of really interesting themes that we're seeing in the US jobs cuts data. The number of job cuts announced was 13% higher in 2022 compared with 2021. Now, that headline 13% isn't that surprising given the level of pent-up demand and hiring boom that we saw in 2021. But what caught my eye was that we saw real acceleration towards the end of the year, with more than 150,000 job cuts announced in the fourth quarter, 2022, which for context was almost 50% of the total 2022 job cuts occurring in just one quarter. And this momentum continued into 2023. In the first quarter, we saw more than 270,000 job cuts announced, almost double that of Q4 2023. Seeing some real momentum there with the job cuts announcements. But if we take a step back, we have to think about what we've seen from an economic perspective over the last couple of years. We went to a period of record growth coming out of lockdowns and COVID around the world. This was driven by things like pent-up demand, stimulus and accommodative monetary policy now what this made for was a really difficult staffing environment we saw trends like lower workforce participation changing demographics and people mobility and what companies found was that it was really difficult to hire in a lot of industries and what we saw as a result of this was a wage price spiral of sorts and inflation and this contributed to a record bout of interest rate increases that were seen over the last 12 months now, this is something that we might need to get used to, and CFOs are starting to question whether their cost base is s- sustainable in an environment of less accommodative monetary policy.
2: Definitely. And speaking about this environment, I want to start where most of the headlines have been. So across you know the past two quarters, a significant concentration of layoffs have been in the tech industry. So we've seen, you know, a few rounds from Amazon bringing their total to about 27,000 job cuts or 8% of their corporate workforce. We've also seen a few rounds of Meta bringing the total number of their job cuts since only November of 2023 to 21,000 people so far. And of course, a large swath of other tech firms have been laying people off as well. This is pretty intense churn. Why is that? What's driving this? Like what is going on?
1: It's spot on, Nina. I talked about that data coming out of 2022, right? And what we saw was that 25% of the layoffs in 2022 came from the technology sector. That's a large percentage of layoffs for an industry that employs around 10% of the U.S. population. And this hasn't abated so far in 2023. Thus far in 2023, the percentage of layoffs that have been concentrated in the tech industry has actually gone up to 37% in the first quarter. Now, as we take a step back and think about the factors that are driving this specifically within the technology sector, as you think about technology companies, a lot of them are considered long duration assets, meaning that these companies operate at a loss a lot more commonly relative to other industries with the philosophy that will achieve scale, will capture market share over time. So as a result, These technology companies, especially those that are running at a loss or tight margins, are a lot more exposed to interest rate increases relative to other industries that are more established and have higher profitability. The other factor that we're seeing within the technology sector is that these organizations hired so aggressively during 2020 and into 2021 that a lot of them overdid it. And we're seeing a combination of a change in consumer behavior post-lockdown as a lot of individuals snap out of their lockdown habits back to a more normalized consumption environment, as well as the impact of higher rates driving this focus on profitability within the technology sector that Marco called out a little bit earlier. So they're the factors that we're seeing driving this pickup in layoffs within the technology sector.
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We're seeing essentially like almost a course correction and then people aren't spending like every single day just buying stuff from Amazon because they're locked down. That totally makes sense. But I'm curious to see like, what are you hearing from CFOs in other industries? So how are they thinking and preparing in response to these prevailing wins? Like, do you anticipate almost a domino effect that spreads further outside of the tech industry? Yes,
1: yeah, that's really interesting. And that's an area that I'm spending a lot of time monitoring, thinking about, and having discussions with clients at the moment. And I see a couple of schools amongst CFOs at the moment In a handful of industries, we're talking about industries like leisure and hospitality, government, professional services, healthcare. They're still printing really strong employment numbers, which are holding up the job numbers overall in the economy really well. What I'm hearing from CFOs in these industries is that on aggregate, they're still coming to us and saying, "Hey, finding staff is our biggest impediment to executing on our growth strategies. But even within these industries, Looking forward, CFOs can see the risk in some of that pent up demand for services dissipating. And a lot of these CFOs are forecasting structural growth. And what they're saying is that they'd rather hoard staff in a downturn or if a recession was to occur to ensure that they're resourced to capitalize on the next growth cycle. Because think about a lot of these organizations leisure and hospitality, healthcare, and so forth. A lot of these organizations felt the pain of trying to rehire and reskill the workforce after they made layoffs early in the pandemic. So we're seeing a more cautious approach amongst those types of industries. But the other school of thought is that there's a handful of industries where CFOs are looking at what's happening in the technology sector. And they're taking a step back and they're looking at the impact of higher interest rates and the impact that it's having on their funding costs and consumer behaviors. And what they're starting to do is follow through with job cuts as well, albeit more tentative than what we're seeing in the technology sector. So Nina, some of these industries where we're seeing some early signs of layoffs beyond the technology sector include areas like financial services and retail companies, which are going to be a couple of really interesting areas to watch over the next couple of months.
0: So it's really interesting, right? Because on the one hand, we see layoffs. And then on the other hand, we know that CFOs are telling us that talent is top of mind in terms of what they are strategically concerned about. So with unemployment low at the moment, how should CFOs be preparing, Vaughn? What are the risks of them getting this wrong?
1: You've picked up on a couple of interesting points there, Marco. Only 11% of companies that launch material cost savings initiatives are able to sustain the cost savings for three years. And the unanticipated drag that layoffs create when you do them the wrong way, is a big contributor to that dynamic. When most CFOs build a business case for layoffs, they'll typically expect the upfront expenses like restructuring costs, severance payments, costs associated with negotiations with unions, legal advice, these types of costs, they expect them to pay off within about six months. With a view that profit will be higher moving forward as a result of having a leaner workforce, the business cases look great, But in reality, and this is why that 11% number is so low, there's a couple of things that play out. I think we've all seen this amongst individuals who have worked in organizations that have seen reductions in workforces. Firstly, after a couple of months, managers start getting creative with their use of cost codes and they start hiring contractors to fill that void. Next, what we see is that retained employees demand accelerated promotions as a result of stepping up to fill that void. And as we know, you can't promote everyone, right? So you get accelerated turnover. And then as service levels go down, you start running the risk of losing customers in a lower economy. And by this time, the economy's usually started to turn. And then the CFO needs to start to think about rehiring staff at a higher rate. It differs throughout the cycle, but our benchmarking shows that it takes about 10% higher salary to entice a candidate to change roles, where most staff are satisfied with a 5% pay rise to stay in their current role. And this is why some CFOs, particularly in such a tight labor market, are telling me that they'd rather hoard staff rather than laying off staff, even if it does contribute. It's,
0: It's really interesting. So we see sort of a following of the playbook that they teach us in business school in terms of looking at your fixed costs and your variable costs and labor is usually thought of as a variable cost but everything you're talking about you know sort of backfilling your employees with contractors eventually bringing all these people back it really makes you wonder are we looking at a future where labor is much less variable you know due to
1: things like automation taking away higher volume low-skilled work it's actually a fascinating way of looking at it marco We get a lot of those types of questions and to help companies assess the risk of suffering those negative ramifications from workforce reduction what we've developed at Gartner is a workforce reduction resilience tool that all of our CFO clients can tap into the thing that's different about the tool is that it helps CFOs assess the risk on a team by team or business by business unit basis rather than just looking at the company holistically now some of the factors that the tool forces clients to consider include Firstly, how strong is your employee value proposition? If you're a magnet for talent like some of the names that Nina mentioned earlier, you're going to find that you're more resilient to workforce reduction because you're going to find it easier to rehire during the next economic cycle without paying exorbitant premiums. Another one is ability to automate roles. Layoffs can be a catalyst to do things differently or invest in technology so that when the cycle turns, we're able to operate with a sustained lower headcount. But this criteria demonstrates why team by team evaluation is so important, because you might have a great ability to automate, let's say, HR or finance roles, but very little ability to do so in, let's say, blue-collar mining operations, meaning that yes, layoffs might be a good option, but they should be concentrated in a particular part of the business. The other big one is industry growth trajectory. The tool helps you identify whether you have a business unit going through structural decline, while we've talked a lot about the risk of layoffs today, the business unit is where you'd want to target layoffs while hoarding staff in the business unit that's going through just a temporary blip that you're expecting to return to growth. Now, there's, there's six criteria in total. So you know, for CFOs on the line that are working with Gartner, please do reach out so we can implement that tool within your organization to ensure that you're making smart decisions around your workforce strategy moving forward.
0: For the CFO or the organization that's maybe considering layoffs, but they're nervous about it because of all these different factors that you mentioned, what alternatives do they have? What else are you seeing and hearing? And is there one alternative that really seems to be working pretty well for people out there?
1: Yeah, and we've also developed a a catalog of alternatives to layoffs that organizations can deploy. Let's say they run the resilience criteria and it shows that they're not gonna be particularly resilient to workforce reduction. We've got alternatives that CFOs can use to achieve that outcome of being able to reduce costs, but in an environment where we don't have to use things like costly severances and disrupt employee experience, right? So a couple of them are really resonating with the client base at the moment that also appeal to me, right? So we've got things like internal redeployment. All too often do I see organizations embarking on costly severance packages, and then you see them rehiring for other roles in other parts of the organization where you clearly don't have the different parts of the organization talking to one another. So redeployment's um, one that I definitely recommend to organizations that are looking to reduce their staffing costs. The other big one, especially with an aging demographic, is voluntary leave of absence. So this is where you provide staff the opportunity. Typically, it's a 12-month or longer um Absence, where we're providing staff the opportunity to look at things like a sabbatical, right? You've probably got a lot of individuals on your books that would be keen to take that 12, 18 months off to travel, to refresh their skill set, potentially do a college course, come back to the organization. And a lot of the time we see that the economic cycle has changed by the time they come back. and by that time, we're looking to rehire staff. So you know, redeployment and voluntary leave of absence are two that are really resonating with the client base at the moment.
2: Yeah, when I was reading your piece and digging into the list of alternatives, uh, one thing that really caught my personal attention was the idea of a four-day work week, which I absolutely love because I have this you know, personal philosophy that as humans, as a society, we need three day weekends or at least just like three days off a week. You know, one day to do absolutely nothing and recharge, so that, like, self-care day. Then another to socialize and be real human beings. And then the one final day to do those adult responsibilities, obligations, and chores. And I know that we've been seeing across the years, like, these pilots, experimentations, and pockets. So there was that, like, large-scale UK four-day week pilot that was pretty successful. I think about 71% of the 3,000 employees participating about levels of burnout and improve mental and physical well-being. Uh, and actually very recently in the United States, Pennsylvania state lawmakers introduced a bill promoting a four-day work week that would actually incentivize participating companies for state income tax credit. So to me, this seems almost like a no-brainer. Like if implemented right, not only are you protecting employees' well-being and in turn their productivity levels, but also saving costs and even ESG benefits. I mean, sign me up, right?
0: Yeah, but I think the key thing there, Nina, is the whole implemented right. You know, I don't think a four day work week within itself is going to be a silver bullet or doing things like unlimited vacation and telling people to take time off. And to give you some personal experience on that, I remember back in two thousand and eight, two thousand nine when we had sort of the, the Great Recession, there was a, a local accounting firm where I'm based that decided to do that, you know, in order to save money and prevent laying off people they cut pay by 10% and then they you know switched to a 4-day work week and the way they presented it I was like oh look this is great you know you're working 20% less hours and you're only getting 10% less pay but the reality of it, it it really wasn't thought out well so what ended up happening was in order to save money they shut the office down on Fridays right and so you had employees who essentially felt like okay I'm taking a 10% pay cut I have one less day to go in the office to get all my work done, but at, on the flip side, I'm doing the same amount of work that I was doing, right? And you sort of see the same thing with this whole idea of unlimited vacation. You have to really think about it because sometimes you will put employees in a position where they feel like you know, they're, they're not allowed to take time off or that they have to get all this work done in a compressed period of time. It actually can destroy the employee value proposition if it's not done well.
2: Okay, fair point, because upon personal reflection, whenever I take a three-day work week or three-day weekend, um, and I do feel that time crunch, that constraint to try to be super productive and get everything done Monday through Thursday, and I end up working way more than I typically would on a typical day. So I can see that is a very fair point, but I still love the optimistic idea of a society where we do have only four-day work weeks. Now, I know we've covered a lot today, but um, and I, there just seems to be so much, I think, noise. Every single day, there's a different layoff headline. And some pundits are saying one thing. Uh, other pundits are saying another thing. And it just seems like a little bit overwhelming, especially for CFOs who are trying to understand like what should they actually be paying attention to? Like what is actually valuable with all of these different experts saying like, oh, you should think about this or you should consider something different. So as we're like closing out today's conversation, I would just want to make this super easy for our listeners. Mon, if there is just one thing a CFO should take away from today's conversation, what is it that you recommend?
1: Yeah, it's a a great question, Nina. The one takeaway is that, look, if as a CFO you see a pessimistic forecast, don't make a knee-jerk reaction and deploy layoffs just because your peers are or just because you've seen that pessimistic forecast. But if if you leverage things like Gartner's tool to evaluate your resilience to layoffs and it looks strong and the forecast does look pessimistic, consider something like divesting a business unit where you're able to take a chunk of complexity out of the organization as well as typically the headcount that goes along with that. That's going to cause you less disruption in the long term and set you up to be a more profitable organization moving forward.
0: I love that. I love the idea that you know headcount at the end of the day is really part of the execution of the strategy. And in times like this, when there's uncertainty, you need to double down on you know clarity of the business strategy and then act appropriately. I think that's fantastic advice, Vaughn.
2: Definitely. Well, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your insight and wisdom. We really appreciate it. Thanks again.
0: Yeah, it was great, Vaughn. I love, I love this stuff. And thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to converse with us and our listeners.
1: My pleasure. Thanks, everyone.
0: Please subscribe and share the episode with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. Gartner Podcasts are a production of Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory company, equipping executives across the enterprise with indispensable insight, advice, and tools to achieve their mission-critical priorities. You can learn more at Gartner.com. All content in Gartner Podcasts is owned by Gartner and cannot be repurposed or reproduced without Gartner's consent. Gartner is an impartial independent analyst of business and technology. This content should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of any enterprise's product or services. All content provided by other speakers is expressly the views of those speakers and their organizations.